This is Warrior's Way Podcast, episode 37, and I'm James Eke. All Japanese are not necessarily jujitsu experts, just as all Americans are not necessarily wrestlers or prize fighters or else gentlemen even. Those Japanese who profess jujitsu in this country are not necessarily entitled to teach it or even to say that they know much about it. Since some foreign newspaper correspondents in Japan began to report wonderful things of this art of self-defense, saying that in Japan there was no man who did not study it, from the emperor down to the poorest laborers, that this universal practice of jiu-jitsu was the greatest cause of Japan's victory over Russia, as well as of its soldiers' health and sturdiness, you Americans have aroused a great deal of curiosity to see the actual thing done before your eyes. Hence the result that some young Japanese who were housework boys or school boys until the previous day, whose names were not even known among their countrymen, much less as jiu-jitsu men, suddenly appear on the stage as great masters of the art of pliancy. Jiu-jitsu was a genuine product of feudalism in Japan. And with feudalism, it practically died 38 years ago when our great revolution took place. Some 15 years later, it revived under the new name of judo. After careful investigation and comparison of the old forms or schools of jiu-jitsu on the part of Professor Kano, who has completely remodeled and enlarged the teaching on the physiological and educational basis, and, th- and through whose zeal and influence this judo is now introduced into nearly all government schools over and above the Occidental system of physical training. The new school of judo is no longer just an art of fighting or self-defense, but a system of moral culture, combined with a special form of physical training. As an accomplishment for samurai or soldier gentlemen in the feudal times, jiu-jitsu presupposes that both parties are properly dressed as respectable people should be. Whereas wrestling in America and also Japan is done in a condition of nudity, From the very nature of the two things, jiu-jitsu men and wrestlers cannot try their strength or skill on footing of equality. It is something like comparing skill in running and riding. If, however, both parties can agree upon some fair terms by mutual compromise, matches between these two different things may not be altogether uninteresting. But you must expect the result always will be that wrestlers may beat jiu-jitsu men in wrestling ways, but not in jiu-jitsu ways. Whereas the latter may succeed in controlling and resisting wrestlers according to their own standard, and which wrestlers themselves may not recognize as their defeat from their own standpoint. American wrestlers cannot much boast of their art, even if they beat a jiu-jitsu man For them to try a match with a nameless mushroom jujitsuist is nonsense to say, at least. If you'd like to see the difference to satisfy your curiosity, 
it may not be a bad idea for you to witness a contest between old-style jiu-jitsu men and scientific judoists to see whether such men are really entitled or not to call themselves champions and exponents of this unique sort of gentlemanly sport of Japan. You must remember that there are at least half a dozen true judoists on the Atlantic side of the continent who have received certificates for their attainments directly from Professor Kano, founder of the modern improved school of judo by studying for years in his great gymnasium in Tokyo known as the Kodokan, which is visited by foreign tourists as one of the rare institutions of our country. Jiu-Jitsu and Judo both aim at controlling the antagonist with the least expenditure possible of mere brute strength, while in wrestling, either in America or Japan, the main feature is strength more than skill or agility. Because wrestling uses much physical force, wrestlers cannot continue a match very long before they're exhausted. So that is an article from 1905 with Matsuyo Maeda, who's considered by many as the father of Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he taught judo, also known as Kano Jiu-Jitsu for a time, to a young Carlos Gracie, and he would go on to launch the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that we know today. And yes, this is James Eke, despite my Tom Waits-esque voice. (laughs) I haven't been feeling so great. And my voice apparently has left the auditorium. (laughs) Um, Hopefully it comes back. If it doesn't, you get to dig the new voice. And that's just the way it goes. I wasn't about to not do my podcast after I tell you guys always to train and train and train. So... For those who don't know the significance of Maeda-sensei, you have to do a little bit of digging, and what you'll find is kind of amazing. Actually, it's a lot amazing. But we should back up a little first. In Japan, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, a man by the name of Jigoro Kano saw both the decline of jiu-jitsu and its true potential to help people in every way. Kano studied a number of systems, and he unified them in what he called Kano Jiu-Jitsu, a system that later was rebranded as Judo. What it was, was an effort to adopt new training methods and to remove dangerous techniques. These changes allowed practitioners to engage in safe but intense training drills with full resistance. What we now know is sparring or live training or rolling today. Kano had a lot of amazing students who joined him from different jiu-jitsu systems. They were all united with the view of breathing new life into this martial art that they loved. Among them was Maeda, and he was a fighter who benefited from Kano's innovations, but who had his roots in other jiu-jitsu schools 
and they emphasized ground fighting and self-defense skills under real combat situations. Maida had some serious jiu-jitsu skills. Serious. And he was sent abroad to help spread the art to different cultures around the world. Maida, along with other jiu-jitsu practitioners, traveled to a whole bunch of countries, including the U.S., Central America, and Europe, and of course, South America. In London, England, he actually trained Edith Garud, who we mentioned in the previous podcast, number 36, on suffragette jiu-jitsu. Maida landed in Brazil in 1914. And there he met and taught a young boy named Carlos Gracie and planted a seed that would grow into what we now call Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which I imagine eventually will just be called Jiu-Jitsu or maybe World Jiu-Jitsu because it's certainly not just Brazilian anymore. And its root is Maida. Now Maida is an interesting character because his samurai spirit is what really gave birth to many of the concepts that we have in jiu-jitsu today. He would challenge just about any fighter, regardless of system, to show that his form of grappling was superior. It didn't matter if they were boxers, didn't matter if they were a capoeira person, didn't matter. And he proved it over and over again. It didn't matter if the men he fought were way bigger He'd fight them all. This is similar to what blew the minds of the more modern world when Brazilian jiu-jitsu first came to North America. The now infamous Gracie challenge to fight any and all comers to cold and show just how effective the system was. What Maida, Edith Garud, and the Gracies would discover was that the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu was that it started where all other systems stopped or failed. And the power of jiu-jitsu was and is about how it doesn't matter how big the opponent is, you can, learn to def- con- to, you can learn to control them and to defend yourself and control yourself. That's key. That samurai spirit of never giving up, never giving in. That's key when it comes to an efficient martial art. You need it to work. You have to be able to have faith in it when all else fails. And in jiu-jitsu, that faith has grown through constant trial, through battle. Every class you roll with other people who want to control and submit you. And you very quickly learn the ins and outs of how to defend yourself, how to control yourself, and then eventually how to control them. And if it weren't for Maida... We simply wouldn't have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And what a loss that would be. So, I'm going to go on to the question of the week. I love training. And I'm wondering what more I can do to get everything I can from it. Well good you're listening to this podcast which is a great start but you need to dive in deep 
You need to research. You need to be creative. You need to discipline your mind and develop your body. You need to be ruthless. You need to realize that the weapon you are using is you. You. You need to make it strong as possible. You need to read. You need to exercise. You need to research. You need to meditate. You need to train as much as possible. And you need to never give up. And then you you need to also understand that you need to help others. And you need to be a person who builds community. You need to realize that the martial arts is about helping people to reach their potential. It's not about building ego or gaining external things. It's about becoming a new and better you. You also need to realize that this depends on others. If you treat people like they don't matter, if you treat people like they will always be there, if you treat people like you are first and they are somewhere after that, then you don't really know what the martial arts and training is about. So dive deep, be honest, work hard, and don't give up. Don't take breaks. Don't go off and do this and that. If your training matters, if the people in your school matter, be there for them. Be there. Don't vanish. Don't give in. Don't give up. Train. And then you know what? Train some more. And if your voice is being pulled out of your throat. Maybe that's training too. So there you go. So I think I am going to rest these vocal cords and maybe next week there will be another podcast with my old voice coming back from vacation. If you like this podcast, or if you feel bad for me doing a podcast with my voice sounding like a cross between Gravel and Tom Waits, um, (laughs) go on Apple Podcasts and give it five stars, man. Not only that, because that's not enough, go on there and write some words. Man, this guy has one sexy voice. (laughs) Leave a review. There's a couple of you that have done that. Well, make it a couple more. Don't be lazy. I'm sure there's some of you out there listening who think that you are a writer or think you're a communicator or think that you like this podcast. Well, get up off your butt or maybe stay on your butt. Pick up that machine that you're listening to it with and give it a review. Maybe I'm losing my voice because you didn't. (laughs) Maybe you're going to have to hear this for the rest of time. Or maybe I'm going to become a famous singer. 
<laughs> All right. So give it a review anyways. Also, join us on our Facebook page. Just look for Warrior's Way Podcast. Uh, check out our website. I uh, try to put some stuff on there when I can. Look for uh, the Eek Academy of Martial Arts as well. We've got an Instagram. We've got Facebook page and a website with cool videos of me doing cool things. So there you go. And with that... Train hard, have fun, be a good friend, and be awesome, and never give up. <laughs>